That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We are into episode 16 of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. This podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And for more information, of course, you can head to extensionmarketing.com. I'm feeling quite guilty as I always have my Starbucks coffee. <laughs> with me as I start these podcasts, because we're going to talk a little bit of uh, that cup of tea, maybe a little flavored tea for you. Uh, Maybe you're considering a blend from David's Teas. This is really uh, an interesting topic today. We are talking with the the creator, the founder of David's Teas, but also the founder of Mad Radish and something that he likes to call, and I, I thought when you were describing yourself, a retail thought leader. Interesting. David Siegel is joining us. David, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Uh, and I'm realizing, too, you've done a ton of these. You're you're into podcasts. You started listening to them. You started doing them. This is, this yeah, is, no, this is nothing new. It's, it's probably more too, yeah. more new for me than it is for you. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I definitely I, I enjoy them. Yeah, it's, it's good. Which ones are you? Which ones have you been listening to so far? Uh, I really like how I built this with Guy mm-hmm. Guy Raz. Uh, he he brings on different entrepreneurs as well, and it's it's uh, very interesting stories. Okay, so you mentioned the word entrepreneur, and I think when I was looking at how to describe you or to kind of go into things, I mean, it's such an entrepreneurial background uh, with the creation of David's Tea. And yet when I look at where you are now with Mad Radish, there's something about uh, and bringing back that aspect of healthy lifestyle, healthy living, the products that you're putting into your system. Did you were you always into kind of the health healthier side of of life of, of living? Um, I mean, I always aspired to be. Uh, I got smarter about it as the years went on. But yeah, I, I always was. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm big into health and, and wellness. And I, I love to exercise. I, I watch my diet. Um, I think it's really important. I think I think diet and, and exercise create longevity. And, and um, uh, you know, I, I, I like to be very mobile and, and uh, energetic and youthful. And I'd like to keep that going. And so, so yeah, no, it's, it's very important for me. Uh, your genetics are good, actually. I, <laughs> I want to mention this because there's a little bit of a family history uh, behind David and our family. My mom, Agnes, who you've had on, uh, you've met, and yeah, anyway, sure. she was on the podcast not long ago, uh, is married to Jack Lair, who is your mom's cousin. Correct. And I think my connection to your family was always through Aunt Gertie, <laughs> who is your grandmother. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who lived well past 100. I think the last time we she were did. all together was at her 100th birthday party um it's it's interesting my friend my my friends but my kids especially uh anytime they go by david's teas uh, anywhere they kind of always say there's a family connection there mom and i said yes there is um but i look at how that family kind of came together i i look at aunt gertie at 100 she was so with it I call her Aunt Gertie. So she, she was really interesting because she, when she was about in her 30s, had very bad back problems. Um, and she had a doctor at the time that told her to do these exercises on the floor. And she then started doing these exercises and did them every single day for the, the next 71 years until she died. And uh, those exercises are what we would call Pilates nowadays. But they didn't call it that back then. You know, it was just, it was, you know, she's like, yeah, I get on the floor. I do my exercises for half an hour every morning. And, and. You know, I, I actually think that was that was one of her little secrets. Yeah, she was amazing and so with it. 
Yeah. Like she, 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 she could remember things and tell you stories. Yeah. Did she? Did she understand? Did she know the background behind David's tease? Was she able? I'm she trying did, to look at the yeah. t- uh, at the timeline. Was she able to know that you had she, found success? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, she died before I w- we took the company public. But she, I mean, when we had hundred over a hundred stores when she died, mm-hmm. so she definitely saw it go from nothing to something. Um, she used to call me and ask me for. Uh, she had a, a big sweet tooth, and we had a, a, a cream caramel tea that she loved. It was caffeine free, and it, it tasted like caramel. And she would call me. And she'd ask me for the caramel tea, and she'd tell me she was going to send me a check. And of course, I'd be like, no, Granny, it's okay. Don't worry. I, 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 I think we could afford to send you a small bag of tea. It'll be on me. Uh, but yeah, no, she'd have this caramel tea. She loved it, and, and uh, yeah, she was super proud. Okay, so let's go back. How, how did this concept come to be? Like, Did you, did you drink tea? Were you a tea drinker or coffee? Like, um, I always liked tea as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to drink, but I drank like everybody else. I drank what they sold in the grocery store, which was chamomile, English breakfast. Nobody was doing it in a fun way. And uh, I remember seeing a few tea shops that sprung up that were either very British or very Asian. And typically these stores were on, uh, you know, they were on secondary streets. They were never on the main drag of a shopping street. Um, and you felt like you had to know something about tea when you went in there. You know, you like you had to whisper. It was kind of this this prim and proper, very, right? Yeah. You know, and and it had an older person kind of uh, um, aura to it. Uh, and so nobody was making it young. No one's making it cool. No one's putting it on the main street and, and making it colorful. And and um, so that's what David C did. I mean, we we took the product and we said, listen, tea is anything you put in hot and cold water, it's not coffee. So there's all these different herbs and spices, even though in reality, tea is a very specific plant. It's the Camellia sinensis plant. Uh, it's grown in Asia primarily. How you process it makes it different. Um, you know, I could give did you a- Yeah, I know, but did you know all this? I mean, we're no, talking, you're like, you're in your young 20s. Uh, like I was in my, I started to see in my mid, mid to late 20s, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and um, no, I didn't know, I didn't know this. I, I, I got into the business liking tea and I came yeah. out of the business loving tea. Uh, I learned a lot, obviously, along the way. And, and But what David's tea that was spe- did that was special is we brought, we did a really good job on the mixes, on the blends. You know, we were able to realize that you can infuse tea, you know, fr- different fruits and herbs and spices and all these different ways of mixing them. And it's kind of like cooking. I mean, the combinations are endless. Um, so we created blends people had never heard about before. No, it, uh, sometimes you feel like you're having cake while correct. having, you know, your correct. tea. And, and I, I, But I think as over the years, there's been so many, like, you have the ancient herbal aspect of tea, right? Of people Correct. kind of looking back and going, there were so many medicinal purposes for it. And so you have people that are looking for answers. They're looking for, you know, the feeling, the the, the feel from the tea as to what they're hoping. If right. it's the flavor or if it's how they're going to feel or if it's going to detox them. Right. Cold, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you have a lot. You have a lot going for you in terms of tea being part of people's culture. There's a lot of nostalgia around the brand, around the product. You know, everybody had. We noticed that early on in the stores. They come in and they, we, you know, we engage people's senses. You're trying tea. You're smelling tea, and the the when people would smell tea, you know, memories. It would evoke memories for them. Um, so you do have that. Oh, I remember having you know peppermint when I'm I'm not feeling well, or or or. Oh, this this type of blend reminds me of having tea with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Or you'd have you'd have those kinds of memories that would. So I mean, that was that was actually helpful because it was already in the psychology of, of our of our customer base, and we just had to give it sort of a a fresh look and feel. Okay, so you're starting this company out, and you have a partner. Yes. Yes, family. 
uh, yeah, a distant cousin of mine. He's my uh, uh, my dad's first cousin. So my cousin once moved, who I didn't really know all that well until I moved to Montreal. Um, and I went to McGill and I was very entrepreneurial from a mm-hmm. young age. So he took an interest in me. Uh, he was great. I mean, uh, you know, we made a great, he's 50 years my senior. Well, I was going to say like, yeah. how does this, let's talk about this relationship, yeah. right? Like here you are, your mid twenties, you've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. Uh, and you have this concept, like how do you develop this then with a much older partner to say, well, he was, he was, it, it worked out well because he was, um, uh, in the twilight of his career and I was just getting started. So he made a good combination of youth and experience, mm-hmm. um, he added credibility and financing, of course. Yes. I mean, I had nothing, so uh, he financed the business, um, and he, he he which made him the majority owner, and I, I took a minority stake. It was my idea, uh, and together we went and we and we built it, and and um, you know I, I brought the sweat and the hustle and and uh, hired the people, and we went and we did this, and it and it really started to take off, and then once it took off. We were able to get more partners involved, uh, a bigger private equity group out of the U.S., uh, and then it really became a major, a major company. When did you realize that you were onto something? I mean, and and there was a lot of you were talking about the experience, right? Like this was going to be a main street store rather than kind of hidden Correct. around the corner. Uh, the colors, the use use of your name, kind yeah. of the way it's branded in the store that you do go in and feel like you can try these flavors and have this experience while you're there? Like, at what point did you say, okay, this concept, this idea is going to make it? Um, I don't know that there was, you know, I like to tell a story about the first day. Okay, on, I want to hear the story. Street, yeah. But I don't yeah. know that I would say that was the moment because, well, I'll tell you the story and I'll tell you why. I'm not sure if it was the moment. I thought it was the moment, but then... So the first day, you know, there's still a bit of construction. We're finishing stuff up. It was Queen Street in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the contractor has a ladder in the window hammering stuff in. And we just were up all night stocking the shelves and getting it all ready. And, you know, we just opened the doors. I think my, uh, you know, my partner yelled, open the doors. Let's just go. And, and, and so we did. We opened the doors and people started flooding in. And we we uh, um like how long had they seen the store been under construction oh about eight like, weeks but okay. but you know i mean this is very new at the time this is yeah. 2008 i mean tea stores were not a dime a dozen i mean there was this is the notion of what we were doing was very new and people just start flooding in so much so i had to call uh my wife to help out my brother my brother's friend i mean our staff that day was a makeshift nobody knew what the hell they were doing we didn't know we didn't know what we were doing i was just running around trying to sell stuff um, and the store was swamped. It felt like we were just in way over our heads. It was so busy. And the irony is we did 1500 bucks that day, which at the time felt like a ton of money. Like, I mean, now $1,500 for a Saturday for David C would not be very good. Um, um, but then it was like, oh my God, we were just couldn't believe like, how much volume that was. Were you giggling? Like, were you giggling, laughing? Like, oh, was yeah. there? I thought, like... I thought we were, uh, that was the moment yeah. I thought well, this was going to be big. Now, mm-hmm. the moment I don't tell people about was the Monday that came after that, where we did $400 and I was just sweating big time. Like, we were very nervous at that point. So it took time. Like, it wasn't, you know, it took me a good five years to be an overnight success. Like, it's it's like, you know, I mean, we, we had stores that started off that we doubled and tripled in sales volume over the years. I mean, just as the product mm-hmm. got better, as the assortment got better. Um, you know, on the one sense, there was a lot of buzz around it and it took off right away. But on the other hand, it took a lot of time to come to fruition as a fully formed business that 
that uh, um, was generating uh, 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 very strong returns. Was it changing people's buying habits? I mean, was yeah. it you know shifting from those that were going to go to the corner Starbucks to maybe then go okay, let's think about this differently? Or was it, or is it a very different concept? Because at Starbucks you're going, you're having your item and you're staying there and sitting and having your yeah. coffee. This one you're you're going home and able to enjoy and nurture it and serve it and, and have a different experience well, with the tea. It's much more of a um, coffee's a drug. I mean, you, people tell you, I need my coffee in the morning, right? Yeah. Um, tea's not like that. You'll never be like, I need my tea. And even though it has caffeine, it doesn't seem to have the same effect uh, as a coffee. People don't seem as as dependent on it for to get them going in the morning. There are some people who like tea and do. I mean, the people who say, that's not true, I do. But by and large, it's, it's a very small percentage of people who actually drink tea in the morning. Um, so our product was much more retail driven. It was more tea at night. Like you don't drink a cup of coffee at night. Whereas, you know, we had, I think 40% of the whole collection was caffeine free. So your, your tea became much more of a gift item. It's something you share with friends. It's more social, uh, late afternoon, you drink it in the evenings. Some people drink it in the mornings, mid morning, that kind of thing. So it was different than a Starbucks. It was much more, I buy it and I take it home to my office and my house. Um, but that has actually evolved for David's Tea. I mean, I'm, I'm not there. I haven't been there in two years. But, but I think one of their biggest issues today is that the concept when we originally launched it was like a tea boutique where it was very novel. People smelt it. They bought tea. They went home. They had it. Now you kind of have three different types of customers and the store design hasn't evolved. And their biggest issue today is it takes 20 minutes to get in and out of that store. It takes too long. And um, the reason it does is because you have three types of customers. You have customers who now want to use it like a Starbucks. They want to go mm. in and buy a cup of tea because now they're into it. And right. so they want to get in, they want to get out, whether it's a break at work in downtown Toronto or or, um, or or whatever, morning, evening. They just want a cup of tea and they want to get, grab it and get go, yeah. get on their way. So you have that kind of customer. You have the customer that wants to buy the product retail, knows what they want. And like, I just want to grab it and get out yeah. of there. And then you have the customer who wants to smell every tea on that on that wall and spend 20 minutes. And the problem is, the way the store is laid out, the, all three of those customers have to have to mesh together in the store. So you could be stuck waiting behind the person who's spending that's, the, You can't. Like, that's... Right, right. And, it's and it didn't matter yeah. eight years ago because everybody was the customer spending 20 minutes smelling everything. Right. So, it does now because people yeah. know exactly what, right. what they want. So let's... I want to talk about this kind of this massive growth. You talk about this opening day on a Saturday and then Monday it kind of, you know, yeah. drops. But it grew, and it grew incredibly yes. fast. The expansion not only all over Canada, but into the U.S. Uh, and then this took you on your own journey of what it was going to be like to grow a business and then yeah. to kind of be in a world where you were ready for it, but maybe didn't have all the knowledge that you needed at the same time as well. Like, right, you, your, your career was launched, and you found yourself in some... I, in, with I, a company that was like, yeah. there's so much... That goes with it. Absolutely. Well, one of the best things that ever happened to me is we brought in a private equity group. Uh, and and I, so I was the CEO of the company too. We did about uh, 70 million in sales, 50 stores. So we were pretty good yeah. size, but not not gigantic. Um, and we did a deal with this equity group out of the US and they brought in um, a CEO, a CFO, and a, a chief operating officer, a chief financial officer, and, and a chief executive officer. So an executive team um, who was tier one, uh, U.S. executive team. I mean, you know, the best Harvard MBAs you can find. Okay, I, and, I get that. But yeah. you've just mentioned in that two CEOs. So 
You said you were coming I, in as CEO. I, 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 know. I was. I left. I, I know. Yeah. This I had is, to step down as CEO. So you. I was the CEO of the company yeah. and I agreed to step down. I was in over, I was at that point 30 years old with a 30, 31 years old. Um, the company had grown faster than I could, I could handle it. Um, and, you know, and it, it definitely was a bruise to the ego uh, to have to admit that and be like, listen, I'm not going to be the CEO of this thing. But that's huge. Um, I mean, that is a huge thing to, to check the ego. Uh, to admit yeah, that it was hard. Know, it was the smartest that, thing I ever did, though. It was the best three years of my life of working with that team. Okay, I want. Um, can you expand on this because I yeah, think for sure. people that are listening, you know, you you create something. It's your your heart and soul goes into this. You see the success of it, and then I I'm listening to the story, kind of going, how does one deal with that? Um, to to have to accept that you need to step back even though at that point you might not know that it's the best thing that's ever happened to you. Right? Uh, yeah. I did not think it was the best thing that right. happened to me at the time. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and it wasn't entirely my decision. It wasn't entirely my control. I mean, I had, I did not finance this thing. So it wasn't, you know, I had, I had to answer to people and, and, um, um, you know, it was, it was, um, yeah, I mean, look, what you do is you, you, you have your tantrum, then you swallow your pride and then you, you get on with it and you get up the next morning, you go to work. Um, I showed up and I, I kept an open mind and, and, um, I worked with this team who were, they were, I, I learned, you know, there's a big difference between running a militia and running an army. When you run a militia and you're small and you, you, you can sort of have ideas and walk, walk into work and gather everybody and you start moving and you go and you change directions and you, when you have a big team and, and, and a whole chain of command and you have remote stores uh, that you have to communicate with. You need some structure to that. You do need some discipline and you need to know some of the best practices and how you're going to facilitate communication throughout your company um, without creating a total bureaucracy. But, but, um, but if, you're, if, you're, if you're all over the map and you're, you don't have good processes in place, uh, you just confuse people. And we didn't have good processes in place. And so anyway, we brought in this team. They were, I, 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 I moved to handling all the real estate um, I would, we were opening 30 stores a year, so I was doing all the leases, which I had done as well as CEO, uh, as part of my job as CEO. But um, now I was just focused on that because we were really expanding very quickly. Uh, and then I, I, I loved working with them. I learned, so for me, it was like getting a Harvard MBA and getting paid to do it. Um, it was just best. what you were exposed to. Oh, I mean, I, it catapulted me in my career. Probably, I, I catapulted 20 years ahead in three years because I was able to learn. Now I feel very capable of being the CEO of a, of a, of a two, three, four hundred million dollar company because of my experience with, with them and, and learning how they operate and how they run a company. Um, I would never have been able to do that. I would have been very limited in how far I would have been able to go. My ceiling, my ceiling went up uh, uh, several feet because of that experience. So, you know, I mean, I, I had capacity inside me that I didn't realize I had, but I needed good teachers, and that's what they were for me. They were great teachers, and so uh, I then got promoted. I, I ran the entire buying team. So I might when by the time I left, I was running all the buying, all the marketing. So about a team of I don't know 30, 40 people. Uh, basically all the product, all mm -hmm. the marketing. And we did all of our product in-house. Um, so it was, it was a fantastic experience all around. I mean, it was, you know, uh, and it's actually helped me tremendously in, in how I've approached Mad Radish and, and uh, being able to now try and do this a second time. It's interesting because you can have your Mad Radish uh, and then right around the corner is your David's tea. <laughs> when you go by, I mean, and it's such a, a vibrant color and a name and it's so recognizable now. Like, what do you feel like when you drive by and see your name, you know, and this product like everywhere you go? 
Um, I have mixed emotions because I'm not in it anymore. Um, there are some things that happened there that I didn't agree with. And, and um, um, you know, I obviously wanted to succeed. I mean, my name's on the door. I, I spent, I poured my heart into that company, blood, sweat, and tears, you name it. Um, uh, so I have these mixed emotions where on the one hand, I'm super proud of it and watching my kids react to it and, and seeing how much uh, love there is for it in the public uh, is great. I mean, every entrepreneur's dream, you know, is to create something from nothing. And that's exactly what David C. was um, and something special. And but on the other hand, it's like, you know, you can't I can't it's hard for me to go in there and not want to uh, make some changes mm -hmm. because there are things I would want to do differently. Kind and of like no having longer, a separate line for someone wanting to come in and have right, a tea yeah, and then a separate line for someone who wants to totally. try and that's the tip out. of yeah, the iceberg, yeah. right? So, <laughs> so I mean, I, I it's hard for me to walk in there without, uh, um, you know, I, I just want to do stuff. I want to move. And so I, I, you know, I, 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 I try and I, I go in still, but mm -hmm. it's, 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 uh, again, it's a, it's a mix, there's mixed emotions like, around it. I mean, if you were to go into a store in, I don't, you know, Boston's one place, you lived in Boston. So let's just take a city, you know, in... Right. Kansas City and you walk sure. into a David's Tea like that they don't know who you are um, do, do you think or they you... don't anymore no yeah. they used to at one time yeah. even when we had a lot of stores but they don't anymore no they don't um, which I, I, I which is yeah that part I kind of like because it's it's I, you know I get to be a bit anonymous it's kind of funny actually they'll ask me if I want to yeah. sign up for the loyalty program <laughs> yeah um, but yeah no I I um, um, like, no, do you I say, mean, all do you, do you just walk do, in yeah. and just buy it like a, like a customer? Or would you say to, yeah. like, now I, I just you, walk in to buy it yeah. like a customer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I have, I'm, I'm a regular customer, David C. Now. Yeah. I mean, when in the back of my mind, my mind is racing. I'm, I'm yeah. analyzing every little thing, like things that, that, that most people don't even notice that I'm just so programmed to analyze. But, but, um, um, that's why it's hard for me to go in there. It's, it's work mm -hmm. when I go in. It's not, I can't, I can't go in there like a regular customer. Was this your first attempt at an entrepreneurial business? Like, I mean, oh, no. cause you did this in your 20, like mid to late twenties, but you were talking about being at McGill and, or, yeah. Or, so like, I started so my first business at, at, uh, um, at 18, we partnered with Canadian called Canadian care kits. Uh, we partnered with St. John's Ambulance. I had a whole team. We sold first aid kits door to door where a portion went to St. John's Ambulance and a portion was a couple cut summer kids making a few bucks. Uh, I had a company called Fitting Room Central that where we, it was a software company where we were capturing what people try on at clothing stores. So the idea being when you buy clothing, you do it in two stages. First, you evaluate the look of an item yeah. on the rack. Yeah. Then you evaluate the fit of an item. So when you just look at sales data, you don't actually know, was it a fit issue or was it a look issue? So by getting this conversion rate out of the fitting room, we could tell you how many times an item was tried on versus how many times it converted. And it was a good, you know, we got it piloted at Macy's on 34th and 7th in New York City. Uh, but it didn't work ultimately. It was, it was um, for a variety of reasons. It, it, there's, a big, there's a big difference in business between a good idea mm -hmm. and a good business. Not every good idea is going to make a good business. And, and people don't often understand that distinction. You know, the economics have to work. The, the product has to be a must-have, not a nice-to-have. Um, you know, it's a bit different in consumer products, obviously, because, because I mean, nothing is really must-have. Right. But, but... Because um, I didn't have to have that flavored tea. You didn't, but it was... It's, it's the, what makes flavored tea work is, is when you're selling software and it's expensive, what I mean by that is it has to be a must-have because it does some mission-critical function for you. And was when, that going to be more for... This was 
you selling to the companies of these products. It wasn't Correct. a consumer. I That's mean, right. This it was business really, to business. It was business, business to business. Business to business, yeah. When you're selling consumer products, the nice thing about consumer products is if you like the product you're and it's 19 bucks or 20 or whatever, 15, 20, 10 bucks, doesn't matter. You don't have to go ask, you know, your husband, your mother, your coworker, your, there's no group decision-making. It's, 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 an, it, you can get impulse, you know, like it's 20 bucks. Here you go. Thank you very much. I like it. I'm just going to mm-hmm. buy it. So you're operating on emotional reasoning a bit better when you're selling complex products that involve multiple parties signing off on them in a business and high price tags it's much more cerebral. The business case needs to be much stronger. I didn't like that kind of business. I like businesses where you can create excitement, um, where um, I have lots of cust- potential customers, um, where they can try it on a whim. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm much more suited for, for uh, retail than I was uh, in the software business. Was there any part, I mean, so you're talking as a kid, you've got these projects, you've got these... You're, you're, are you bringing in money at 18 with no. this? Uh, you know where I was bringing but, money? I sold running shoes at Athletes World, which was, <laughs> has since gone out of business, but they were like a footlocker. Yeah, I remember um, And they paid commission, and I, I love that. I mean, because I feel like you can sell anything. Like, I think. Uh, you, I can you, sell you, things that I believe in. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I was, you know, I, I, I got into running shoes and I got into. I liked it. I really mm-hmm. liked it. I enjoyed it. And, and um, I like retail. I like. You know, I like being on the sales floor. I like, um, I mean, even 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 now, I still I still get out there and I'm on the sales floor at Mad Radish and at David's Tea. You know, it it um, that's where the action happens. That's where money gets exchanged for goods. And you have to sort of understand there's a power in retail to make someone's day. That is is a beautiful thing in life. Like it's it's such a simple little thing, but to be able to make someone smile, to be able to make their day with 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 such what seems like an ordinary moment. Um, I just find it really special. It's one of these small moments in life that that um, um, I just I don't know I can appreciate. So let's let's move to this project that you're doing. At what point were you and and the consideration? And gosh, I talked to you about my decision to leave my work uh, and and kind of as you're going through the motions of doing the job that you're meant to be that you're doing, you're starting to think about future projects and aspirations and goals. So were you with David's T starting to conceptualize and starting to brainstorm new ideas and start to expand out as to what you wanted to be doing? Or was there, was there kind of a, a lag period of making the decision and understanding what was happening with David's T and then giving yourself some time to develop and start a new product? Um, there was a lag period. Um, I was uh, you know, so focused on David's T for so long. Um, and when I left, we, we moved from Boston, where I was living at the time, back to Ottawa, where I'm from. And what, was the, what was the idea behind that? I mean, Emily was in school. Yeah, like, my, uh, my wife was, was, uh, had finished a postdoc uh, mm-hmm. in Boston, and um, um, we wanted to come back to Canada. We had to come back to Canada. I mean, the visas were expiring. And... and um, we didn't want to go back to Montreal. I, I knew I didn't want to stay anymore um, for a variety of reasons. And so we, we came back to Ottawa. It was a great city. It's, it's a great place for, uh, to raise kids. It's easy to get around. And it's also a, um, it's a really interesting city right now because there's a lot happening here. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to really come on. And, and uh, um, there's a nice entrepreneurship community here. And there's, um, you know, there's things happening in this town that make it a bit like the Wild West. I kind of like it. Um, I think you have to be in the know to see that, but I think there's, yes. there really is so much happening. There's here. action. Yeah. Uh, and I think the brain power 
Yeah. That's also in this city. Yeah. Um, totally. It totally agree. Is incredible that I don't think a lot of people recognize. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, and I actually, to be honest, didn't realize that until I came back. I thought it was very different when I left. I mean, I left. Yeah, it was boring and it was government. Right. I, I mean, don't mean. I, yeah, I left almost 20 years ago. So it was a very different town. Yeah. And, and, um, um, so, so we came back here and I was looking, I was looking to see what I do next. And when we were in the U S, um, you know, we, we would eat out quite a bit and we were very busy and, and we really liked, um, we like to eat healthy and we, and there were some great salad concepts down there and, um, just health food concepts, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when we moved back here, there just, there's not enough of them in Canada. And so, um, I finally just got fed up and said, listen, I'm going to do this and, and took uh put together a team that includes some of our best marketing people at david's tea uh an operations person that we pulled from new york city who was with uh pret manger and chop salads which are two great concepts right. down there uh and a chef who's phenomenal from the chase in toronto and mad radish is all about uh healthy food for busy people um you know we do a lot of salads we do right now we just launched the our mad radish pantry which is all ten dollar under price points um, we're doing these little... When did you realize that you needed to do that? What? The $10 the, in price points? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think that, that, that we have our premium salads mm-hmm. off of the line, which are amazing. And, but, you know, we want to make sure we're accessible to everybody all the time. So whereas you might get a premium salad a couple times a week, there are lots of people out there that that um, that simply want to spend ten dollars or less on lunch on a on a daily basis. And so yes, they might have spent fifteen dollars on lunch or, or fourteen mm-hmm. or thirteen dollars on lunch uh, a couple times a week. But we want to look. We want to have uh, options for people all day long, and we want to be able to hit people of all different incomes. Okay, because that was yeah. my question, and this is about watching what's happening with your demographic. Right. Because I remember our first interview that we did uh, on CTV Morning Live when you had right. just launched Mad Radish. Uh, and I was looking at these bowls. I mean, and it was spectacular, the combinations that you yeah. had and, and looking at this. Uh, but then I remember one of my cameramen saying, it looks amazing. He goes, but I can't afford, right. I can't afford to do this all the all the right. time. Like he goes, that's a lot for me. That's right. Um, and I'm, so it's interesting to hear you say this now that you're constantly watching the evolution of your clients and your customers. Absolutely. Like what, yeah. what was happening and what could they come in for? What makes it a lot is, is not actually the price point itself. So our average price point of assembly line mm-hmm. salads is about 1250. Okay. So it's not crazy, but what makes I wanna, it a lot. I want to let people know because maybe yeah. they have a chance to look at the website. I mean, these are big Salad. Oh, they're huge. They're meal size salads. And if you're not that. finishing yeah. it at lunch, then you're maybe doing it and taking it. Like right. they're they're yeah. quite impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and they're and they're but if you know and they're and they're chef created. I mean, they're the kind of things you'd find in a sit down mm-hmm. restaurant. Right. Just you get the speed of service of fast food. So it's it's the value proposition is very strong, um, and it, it's not a lot for a meal. What makes it a lot is that we're servicing a meal that you typically eat out. A lot of people eat out for almost every day. So it's, it's there because it's an ongoing purchase that you're buying every day. Like, I mean, we were charging more for, for little bags of tea um, um, and no one had an issue with that. And the reason they didn't is because they buy it once and sits in their cupboard for right. two months. Right. So, um, so yeah, we recognize that, look, we still, we still want to do phenomenal amazing meal salads off of a line that are, I mean, we just launched two new ones. We launched a ginger chicken, which is out of this world and a, and a butter, um, a butter cauliflower, a vegan one. That's like really good. Kind of like butter chicken, but without the chicken, it's got mm-hmm. cauliflower. Um, so we're still going to be, keep doing these premium salads off a of line, but we also have this 
whole other side of the business, which is, I mean, we're about to advertise a, a combo for nine fifty where you can get a small salad. Uh, and, and one of these hand pies that we created, which is we took our bread recipe. We do this fresh baked rosemary focaccia and we modified it to create these. Like, think of an empanada, but in the shape of kind of like a little muffin. So they're, they have fillings inside of them. We call them hand pies. And we have a, they're $3.75. One's a chicken shawarma. One's a spicy so, chickpea. One's a tomato spinach. Inside. Yeah. Yeah, and we and you you could pair one of those with a, a small salad, and you get it for nine fifty. So we're starting to sort of go into that the, into the area where we can be that place where you can go to different times of day for different purchasing occasions on multiple days, and and still operate within a reasonable budget. Who are the people that are coming in? I mean, right off the bat, you've got the foodies and the, those that are kind of eating healthy, right? Like you, like I love. I love my salads. It's yeah. I have no issue having a salad or making a salad a full meal and you add your proteins and you add a couple of things to it and you're you're good. Are you seeing a shift in the type of people that are coming in or who are attempting to eat healthier or maybe we're kicking and screaming one day having to have salads and then realizing okay, you know what this is actually pretty good. Um we're getting, I would say the, the people that immediately gravitate towards the concept or anybody that's obviously into health and wellness, mm-hmm. um, um, vegans, even though our concept is, is uh, it's, we sell chicken, we sell salmon, uh, we don't sell red meat, but we are, we are flexitarian. I mean, um, I have the assortment's about 50% vegan, but vegans obviously gravitate towards it because they, there's a lot of options mm-hmm. for vegans. Um, and a lot of people who want to are, are not necessarily like myself, I'm not necessarily a vegan, but I probably eat vegan 80% of the time just because I'm more plant based focus on my diet. Um, so a lot of people like that as well. But what's interesting is we're starting to get one of the things that we've done quite well is that it's not rabbit food. So you're not hungry. A lot of time when you eat salad, you know, you're hungry an hour and a half, two hours later because it's, it's a bed of lettuce or spinach or whatever and, and very few ingredients. Um, we've done the opposite. The ingredients are the star and the lettuce and, and yeah. the greens are the supporting cast. So they're very nu- nutrient dense. So they're heavy and, and they fill you up. And so we're getting more men than I would have thought. Um, and, and, you know, when I look at the store, it's, it's, it's starting to materialize into... Uh, typical, just run regular. I don't think our, our, I think our customers are normal office workers uh, coming in for lunch a lot of the time. Um, so we're starting to see a very widespread demographic. And I think the reason is, is that diet is one of the biggest health issues of our time. And I think more and more that's becoming obvious. Um, diet and exercise are basically the only two things that any doctor in the world will agree with you that are necessary to maintain health. I mean, they argue about everything else but that. Um, And I think more and more people are starting to catch on to that. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They are a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. I would say I feel from where I'm coming from that we are becoming more split than ever. 
Those that are into health and wellness and diet and exercise, or not, I don't even like the word diet, but eating healthy, right. are are shifting in one direction and are actually taking more, they're more educated, they're making better choices, and they've split off. And yet I find that there's an equal half or an equal, an equal branch that is moving towards onto the negative side. Does that, does that, I, I listen, know what you mean by that. Do you know it's, what I mean? Like those that are into it are into it and they're educating themselves and yeah. they're, and they're making really smart purchases and they're shifting their thought. Like, you know what? I used to always buy it like this, but maybe if I, if I change it just a little bit, it's, I'm adding, I'm adding something. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell a story because I was at the grocery store last week. I do my groceries on Sunday. Um, and I came home and, and I, I was devastated be, and and I don't tend to do this, but I was kind of putting all the stuff, all my stuff on on, on the carrier, and, and there was somebody next to me, and it was I. It wasn't. I felt bad for the children because I was looking at what was going on the conveyor belt, and it was just it was white breads, white flowers, white right. buns. Um, the the fruit was all sugared fruit cups and uh, the lunches were the, you know, the lunchable meats and like all, all it, the entire conveyor belt was processed food. Right. And I just, I, 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 I wanted to say, how are we not educating? How are we not making people's choices different? Like, what, where, how have we not gotten to you that every – it wasn't like there was just a couple of items that were on right. the conveyor belt. It was the entire conveyor belt. And I, I was sick to my stomach. Like I went home and I just said, I, the children, they, they just don't have a choice. Like this is what they're being fed. Right. And they, they're, they're not getting the head start that I wish I, that they could get. And I, I found that I, there was more split in that moment of those that are making the right decisions and those that are just not. Right. You know, do you see that? Like, because someone's going to be walking down these the street also, and and I and I hope I'm not offending anybody by my story. I, I'm not meaning, and 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 trust me, I'm not in the in the store judging people. I really don't. It just happened that it was just we were both at the same time doing it, and so I, my apologies if I, if I've offended anybody. But you're walking down the street at the same time, right? And you're seeing someone that could opt to go in and get a really cool salad that's going to sustain them, or they're going to cross the street and go towards the fast food McDonald's, like. Um, who's, how are we able to change mindsets? Well, a great question. And I think that, that, uh, um, you have to capture people's imagination. Taste is really important. So one of the things that we, when we set out, the reason we went out and got a fine dining chef is because the food has to taste as good as it makes you feel. Um, people go to McDonald's and those places because let's be honest, taste amazing like when you're eating it tastes amazing i can't you feel I, like crap I, can't, I was gonna say like i but, feel horrific afterwards. like it, my stomach is yelling oh at me, totally like for a day yeah. yeah but when you're eating it oh it's so it's good so yeah. good right yeah. so so that's the issue is that it's it's the food has to be really good and so um look i mean that's that's why i find mad radish and the whole um healthy f- fast food space so interesting is that it's such an opportunity to capture people's imaginations and to change a habit that can have a material impact on their life, a positive impact on their life. Um, so yeah, that's what we're trying to do. I mean, we, you know, we're trying to create salads, whether it's that uh, the ginger chicken or the butter cauliflower. We do have this smoky Caesar that's a vegan Caesar, but you wouldn't know it was vegan if I didn't tell you. Um, it's got these smoked mushrooms and cashew parmesan and you know, we're trying to create these salads that are really okay, right exciting. now for any vegan, like when you just said cashew parmesan, 
Yeah. <laughs> like you, you, you know, like it can taste amazing. Oh, it like, tastes amazing. I can it's just phenomenal. imagine what my that tastes like. like. Yeah. My okay. kids yeah. love it. I mean, that's how good. And my kids are tough customers. Um, yeah, no, I mean, we have, we have, it's, it's, it's about continuing to create uh, food that excites people and also makes them feel great afterwards. I mean, that's how, and it's going to take time because, because, because people are, are, are years and years and years have been eating processed foods. So, um, you know, and, and processed foods are highly distributed. They're very accessible. They're easy. Everywhere well, and you go, they're easy to right? get. I mean, a budget also, exactly. like, you know, there's people that are going, I want to eat fresh. I want to do yes. these. And then you have the budgetary restrictions. And so yeah. it's it's how to be able to balance Correct. the two, right? Correct. And that's really, uh, those. that's our focus is, is uh, having a, a breadth of price points to allow people to eat their lunch for nine fifty under $10 uh, and snacks. Uh, but also still maintaining premium salads off the line because they're, they're, it does allow us to get more creative with food. Uh, and just create some mind-blowing salads that, that get people really into eating this way. Are you realistic in looking at this concept and seeing how far you can expand it? Or do you still have a mindset of a David's Tea and kind of going, okay, we've got two, lo- you know, we're going to have these two locations and that's going to grow into four and then ten and we're going to get this concept going as well? Oh, I think this could be much bigger mm-hmm. than David's Tea. Much, much bigger. Um, I think that the market for tea is tiny. I mean, it's so tiny. I mean... The percentage of Starbucks' sales, it's tea, is something like 3%. It's nothing. Uh, most people don't drink tea. Uh, I mean, that's the, the truth. Um, and we had over, we have over 200 tea stores, uh, you know, at, at the peak. So um, I, I think this is a much, much bigger idea. It, it, it has, first of all, it has, it has much more potential to impact people's lives in a positive way, which, which, mm-hmm. which makes me excited every morning that I wake up. And second of all, I think that that um, I mean, your the market for for food and for salads is just it's enormous. I mean, there's tons of competitors. Don't get me wrong. Right. But if you if you really can stand out from the pack and create something special, um, then then I mean, it, it can be absolutely enormous. So that's where you're going with this, with this team that you have, and having your three years of education of the training that you got with so many other people. I, like, do you you feel like you have what it's going to take to be able to build this then? I mean, look, I, I yeah, I, 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 uh, I like to surprise myself and challenge myself and see what's possible. I don't like to, I don't, I was very fortunate to have this experience early in my life where I got not only involved, or not only started a business that, that was, became a rocket ship and grew extremely fast and was very successful, but also had the opportunity to work with these extremely talented uh, business executives and learn and suck up knowledge from them. So now with Mad Radish, there's an opportunity to apply that and to build something in Canada um, that that uh, uh, can can be a real force of change uh, for the better. Do you need? How do you need it then to grow? Is it word of mouth? Is it people? More people believing in this way of life uh, of health and. I, I think that it's it's just continuing to execute and get better. I mean, our menu from the time I was on mm. the show with you to now has changed dramatically, and it's only been ten months. We're we're just constantly uh, watching and listening um, to what our customers are telling us, and uh, you know, a year from now it's going to be it's going to be even better, and a year from then it's going to be even better, and we're just we are relentless in our pursuit of excellence and trying to build something that is just first class, and so. Um, I think that's what it is. It's it's none of these 
none of these great companies don't start off as great companies. There, it's, it's after many, many years of tireless effort, iteration, change, improvement. Um, you know, there's this habit that we have when we see these companies to think they were preordained to be phenomenal companies. They weren't. In fact, early on, they were up against other better, stronger companies. You know, everybody always likes to talk about, oh, this company has this much market share. Well, when you start out, you have zero market share. And that's something that's universal to everybody who starts a business, whether you're Starbucks, McDonald's, uh, or anything. You have zero market share when you start your business. So, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's about effort. It's about effort and, and um, just, just constant focus and, and being willing to show up uh, constantly regardless of, of, uh, of whether, it's a, you know, whether things aren't going your way or going great. You still got to show up and you got to keep getting better. Such words of wisdom right now. Like, I mean, I think for anyone that's listening uh, and is thinking about starting a business or doing any, like, did you have a great network of people? And and I I hope you don't mind, but like, you know, Harley at Shopify is your your. I look at the two of you guys and the way your discussions and the way you interact with each other. It's almost like you're feeding. <laughs> Do you yeah. feed off of each other just ideas, um, and the the yes and the no and the how or that you can sit there and go yeah that's not going to work or this is going to work or the people that you surround yourself with are really going to be a massive they're going to have an impact on the decisions that you're making yes uh harley's one of my my best friends and and um i'm a phenomenal entrepreneur and and uh we're, we're definitely cut from the same cloth mm-hmm. although i i admire him uh, uh um, quite a bit and, and uh, he, he inspires me quite a bit and he pushes me and I push him sometimes and, and you know we egg each other on a little bit and it's great um, and there's other people in the city who are part of a network and, and do the same thing and um, yeah you do you need good people around you that are going to push you you need people that aren't like, going to tell someone you what you yeah, to like, that's what I'm saying right yeah. like uh, do you have someone that's going that's never going to take off or are you yes. looking to surround like would you prefer someone to say listen to me that's, that's, that's not going to work or, or do you want to be able to defy that person and be like, no, I'm going to make this work? I don't think it's a question of telling you that, that that's magical thinking. That's, I think this is where a lot of entrepreneurs get into trouble. Just because someone tells you it's going to work or not work, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, what do they know? You know, like it's no one knows. It's, I think that it's much more giving you things that you need to think about that, that um, angles that you haven't thought about, things in the market you need to be aware of. Um, um, trying to get to the essence of what you're, how to crack the code, you know, though that's what's helpful. It's we have this this habit of when we get anxious about something, and we all do this. I do this too, by the way. I'm not immune to this. But somebody will say to you, "Oh, you know, so and so is is doing this," or so, and you start to panic. You get nervous, or, mm-hmm. or I don't think this will work because of this, or I had a bad experience. I mean, there are people, there are entrepreneurs who can't stand it when someone walks up to them and say, "I had a terrible experience in your in your place," or "This is what really pissed me off," or "This is bad." I, I don't mind that at all. I mean, it's it comes with the turf. If you're going to operate a business in the public eye, you better be prepared for negative feedback. That doesn't mean that the sky is falling and the world is ending. I mean, it means you you better act on it. The sky will fall if you don't continue to listen and improve. Um, but that's part of it. Like it's not everything's going to go, you know, if it wasn't hard to do, everybody would do it. And so I think that, that, um, what, what, um, you know, everybody loves the magic. No one wants to know how the trick is done. And I think what's great about having a network of people who have been behind the scenes is they understand how the tricks are done and they're able to 
sort of give you things to think about that help you improve your game. Would you say to someone who's sitting here and doesn't have the backing, has is sitting in their <laughs> sitting in their garage and they've created something, but they don't have a magical distant uncle somewhere that's hmm. got a finance that's able to finance an idea or um, socially hasn't been able to reach out and to be a part of a network of people who are gonna say, have you thought about this or have you gone around this direction? What do you what do you say to them? Well, I, I don't buy that for starters. I mean, okay. I think that I think that that if you have something good, if everybody's telling you no, they're not interested, mm -hmm. and nobody wants anything to do with it, it's probably because your performance isn't that good. I mean, then you gotta keep working on the business until it is. You're just you're premature. Um, you gotta you gotta beg, borrow, and and you know you gotta figure it out. You gotta scrape by. You gotta you gotta find ways to get enough capital to keep it going. David, and, you have a personality. Yeah. I mean, you've got a personality. You get into a room with you, and it's like I want to hear what this guy says, but. Is are you the, is a personality then that cannot do that? Do they have a shot? If oh, I think absolutely. Yeah. I think look, you have to. The first question I always ask myself when I evaluate a business, including my own, is why does the world needs it? Why does the world need this? You know, what are you doing that that you know at the end of the day people are going to be willing to pay for? Not things that your family or friends are going to tell you you're fabulous about. Um, I mean, real people who don't know you are going to come to you and, and enough of them are going to pay for it. And, and you got to be able to ask yourself the hard questions. I think that, that business is about creating value for society and things that they want. And, you know, you don't, there are entrepreneurs come and, you know, Bill Gates is not the most uh, uh, charismatic guy in the world. Uh, and yet he's probably one of the, the most successful, not probably, he is one of the most mm. successful entrepreneurs of all time. Um, so, you know, you don't necessarily need to be, there are different personalities. Uh, entrepreneurs come in all different shapes and sizes and personalities. So, you know, I think the important thing is that you have a quality business, something that, that really has a model to it, that, that creates value for society. People want it, um, has growth potential and, and can, has economics that are good enough to be able to scale it into a, a real going concern. And you got to focus on that, you know, and then and the, the money, the money follows the idea, not the other way around. It, 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 the, if, you know, there, there are countless stories of businesses that have raised tons and tons of money and fallen flat on their face. Sometimes, sometimes raising a ton of money actually is a negative. It, it, it's not, you know, first focus on getting something solid that, that, that uh, has real value. Okay. Are you craving a salad right now? I am. What, yeah. what, which one would you order right this second? Because uh, right now that whatever that cauliflower one that you had mentioned, like butter cauliflower is yeah. really good. Yeah, my wife had it last night and was raving about yeah. it. D like, um, okay, does Emily like? I mean, does Emily cook? Like, does she, is she making salads at home or no? She's a big customer even... of she, she pushed me yeah. very, uh, very much to start Madrata. She she was a big influence for me. She really felt this was a need in the market that wasn't being met. Um, yeah, and and. I'm glad she did. I mean, it's it's. I mean, there's been countless sleepless nights. Don't get me wrong. I mean, and I'm, there will be many more to come. But but uh, what's what does keep you up? Like, if you're saying it's a sleepless night, what is it? Um, I think I think that that, uh, and my team will tell you this too. You know, my my weakness is 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 sometimes my impatience. I want to get better faster than. I mean, we're getting better very quickly, but I just want to keep getting better so quickly. 
Um, so my, the big joke in our tasting group, so we have, so every item that goes on our menu, we have multiple tastings, both with our internal team and our chef. And then, and then we also invite different people from the public and, and we'll do t- public tastings mm-hmm. as well before we decide what gets on the menu and what doesn't. And, you know, we're constantly saying this should be a little, little bit less sweet, a little less this, a little less that, whatever. Um, and in these tastings, whenever he nails it. So, so he, he's got this fall salad he's working on that, that, uh, was just outstanding. And, and I, I, uh, every time I'm like, Jesus, can we launch this next week or, to, or in two <laughs> yeah. weeks? And the joke is like, cause it's, you can't launch product that quickly if you want to do it right. So they always laugh at me. Like every time something's good, I'm always like, let's launch it right yeah. away. And they, you know, cause I just want to get it out there. Once I see that we have a winner, I want to get it out there. Like we had this taco salad. So that's probably what I would order today which is uh, full of avocado, tons of avocado oh in it. It's like a, a Mexican-inspired so, salad. Veronica's sitting across um, the window and she's going, I am so hungry right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, so that one, we, we yeah. worked on it for months and months and months. We finally got it and we, were la- we launched it in March and it was ready by like early February. And I was kicking and screaming because I wanted it out there in, by late February. But, you know, it's fine. We did it right. We, we, we had, there's things you need to do to make sure it's, it, you can operationalize it uh, at scale. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think about that, right? Just because it, it tastes great, that's you right. have to be able to manufacture this. That's right. With, uh, uh, you know, with I'm young thinking, kids I, yes. in a store who with, aren't the, chefs, with the right kind of avocado. That's right. Like that's going to wow. And make yeah, three hundred like, of them off yeah. of the line. That's right. And in, in one sitting, uh, it's so a just very because different it tastes good. Correct. Doesn't mean, and then this is the stuff I think that we don't think about. No. Just because it's a great product and it tastes great, how is it going to reflect? Of course. Being made by these. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that That's, therein lies part of the magic. Yeah. You got to be able to do it uh, several hundred times uh, quickly with people who aren't trained uh, in the culinary world. Uh, yeah. So that's what makes it even mm. more challenging. But this is all fun stuff. I mean, it's. But it's, it, it is. You know, it's something that we don't think about when we're going up and ordering our salad and enjoying our salad and, and then we toss it in. We toss it but the, you're not done. supposed to. That's, that's, that, that, that's, that, that's why I say people like the magic. They don't want to know how the trick's done. And, and it's. it's um, um, but that's, yeah. that's, that's okay. It's supposed to be that way. Yeah. You, should, you should not have to think about it. If you have to think about that, we haven't done our job well. It should be a seamless experiment, experience where you walk in. And lunch is something that is purely enjoyable and not something that you have to think, gee, that didn't go the way I thought it would. And I think in all of this, what I want people to take from this is that that lunch can easily be that decision to make of going and have this really healthy filling salad uh, that's going to shape the rest of your time, your brain power, how you feel. It's It's a domino effect of making one decision the right way. And that's going to affect the health all the way down as well. Like, well, that was actually the reason I got yeah. into it was was I, I kept getting very tired around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, as a lot of us mm-hmm. do. And I would then just like jolt up on caffeine and, and, of course, then crash out. And I just I didn't feel very good. And so I started eating much healthier um, because of not a necessity. And, and it's made an enormous impact for me in, in terms of my energy levels. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're you're walking example of health am i allowed to say that you've got this glow you're healthy i think you're you know and you're active and you're kind of doing everything the way you had intended like you so got far, the two yeah. kids three i have three are you at three all right yeah. oh wait because it was the baby oh That's my right. gosh imagine that yeah. yeah 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 i would i would figure that much out um i i just want to say david like this has been a really interesting opportunity i'm craving at this point now i think i might have gone with the taco 
cool. the taco right salad. On. And just make sure the avocados are all good. People can find you. I, I, eventually, for our listeners, uh, you're going to be able to find this across Canada and across the United States in in time. But right now, where can find pe- uh, people find Matt uh, We're in the Glebe in Ottawa mm-hmm. on Bank, at Bank and Fifth. We are Albert and Metcalf downtown Ottawa. And we're going to be opening in early July, Slater and Kent downtown Ottawa. And we're coming into Toronto in October. Stay tuned. We have a site I lined up. I hadn't anticipated that it already yeah. had headed to the to the next city. Yeah, we're going to Toronto. We'll be and we'll be in Montreal as well soon. But Toronto's Toronto's imminent. October we will be in Toronto open. Congratulations. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I can't wait to get back in there Likewise. for another salad. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. There you have it, episode sixteen of Living Your Life. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.